You're listening to the Straight to Video Podcast with Rob Lane. Hey, how's it going? And welcome along to my show, Straight to Video. Hope you're all doing okay out there and staying safe and happy. This is episode 94 of the show as we steadily cruise towards 100 episodes. Today, my guest is one of the finest drummers I've ever seen perform, and it's a not-so-secret bucket list wish that I hope to at least jam a couple of tunes with him one day. All the way from Padua, Italy, I chat with Matt Kirby of the band Hi-Fi Stacy. Now, Matt first came onto my radar back during the mid-2000s when our late great friend Ian Campbell contacted a bunch of us saying he'd seen a band who were doing a show in Nottingham and we simply had to come along and check out the drummer at the next gig as he was nothing like you'd ever seen before. Matt was performing with New York road warrior Adam Bomb and they had a gig at Rock City. Myself and a bunch of others went along and Ian, as always, was right. It was a great show, just a three-piece rock and roll band with a huge sound and Matt had this great Vicky Fox of Enough's Enough vibe to him. It was that special middle ground that a, let's say, flashy drummer needs because if you're not careful it becomes distracting from the rest of the band but Matt manages to sit in the pocket rock solid and plays with such a cool groove and effortless showmanship. Since 2013, Matt has performed with his band Hi-Fi Stacy throughout Italy and regularly visits the UK for shows, so it's always great to have that all-too-brief catch-up. If you enjoy our talk and want to find out more, then Hi-Fi Stacy are on Facebook and Instagram at simply Hi-Fi Stacy Official. And please head on over to YouTube and subscribe to Matt's drum channel, Kirby Drums, where he has some really cool drum covers on there. Hi-Fi Stacy also have a great cover version of the Billie Eilish track All The Good Girls Go To Hell on there too, which you should give a spin. Before we head into our chat, don't forget to visit Dead Skull Coffee, who are great supporters of this show and want to give you, the listener, a huge 15% off any order through their website at deadskullcoffee.co.uk. Simply add the promo code STV on checkout and that discount will be added. And speaking of huge, Dead Skull Coffee are now serving up massive 500 gram bags of their rock and roll coffee, so dive in and try it out. Okay, let's do this. I was really interested in hearing Matt's journey, as like myself, he's a huge fan of 80s hard rock, but I want to know how it was growing up in Italy and tracking down that kind of music, and how it translated into forming a band of that style too. I hope you enjoy this and become a fan of Matt like I've been for some time, so please enjoy my straight-to-video talk with Matt Kirby.
right. How are you doing? How are you doing? Doing good? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, I still can't see you, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what have you been doing with yourself? You've been keeping busy during this crazy past year? It's crazy. This pandemic, I don't know, we're getting better and better, but it's still tough. Because you were one of the first places where it was like full on and everything was totally locked down. And the last one to go out of this. But anyway, uh, we're slowly coming back. So we're doing our best. So what are we going to do today? I'm not really good in interviews. It's fine, man. I try and treat it just like a regular conversation. Thank you. <laughs> I'm in the middle between Stephen Piercy and uh, Ryan Roxy and Chips and Up, so I don't know what I'm doing here, but uh, but I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Everybody's got a story, dude. Everybody's got a story. Yeah, yeah, I got mine too. I don't want to sound like one of those uh, Italian-Americans, like Tony Danza or <laughs> those, you know, those with the pizza place, you know. <laughs> it's all good, man. I'll make us both sound good. Thank you, mate. I love you. So I'm going to throw things right back to the beginning, because I'm just interested in your journey with like your love of American hard rock music and your location in the world and how perhaps your journey has been different, how you see things differently. What can you tell us about the place you grew up? Do you still live in a similar area or have you moved around a lot? Born and raised here in Padua. Nice city, not so great for music, I have to be honest, but we're not even a garbage can. It's an old town. We have our venues for music. Uh, nothing too big, really. Not great, but good. Isn't Padua kind of to the west of Venice? Yes, exactly, exactly. Was music something like you've always been interested in from an early age or did you have other interests? interests when you was growing up? No, I was really into music. I think it all started with my father. He was a drummer too. So there was always music around the house. We had a piano in the living room and a set of drums. I remember a green sparkle kit. I think it was an old Rogers kit. And for some reasons, I was interested in drums. I was banging on boxes or even on my school desk. And I wanted to try. Okay, By the age of 12, I was already a drummer or at least I knew a few things, the basics or... Uh, I have to keep the time. So what was your dad's story then? Did he play in bands or was it just a hobby? No, just a few covers locally. Um, those 70s rock music like Zeppelin, the Purple. He did a few shows back in the days but when I was a kid, but it was like a hobby. Did he show you the first stages of drumming then? Yeah, the basics, how to hold the sticks mm -hmm. and... Okay, right and left, right and left, and, and and that was it. We can say he was my first teacher. What other interests did you have growing up? Was like TV and film from like Western stuff, like UK and US, popular for you guys over there? Very popular. I, I have to say, I grew up watching American shows and movies. So thank you, Ralph Macchio, for uh, helping me become who I am now. Really? Yeah, it's all your fault, Ralphie. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I was very much into. TV series like, I don't know, uh, The Greatest American Hero. Uh, oh, man. Mork and Mindy and Taxi with Tony Danza <laughs> and The Bionic Woman and all those series. And that also, there was plenty of, of Italians, you know. So, yeah, those Italian-Americans. Was that kind of shown on mainstream, what we call primetime? Did it have like a primetime slot? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, same, same here. So was it all in English or they didn't dub it over, did they? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, because we're lazy and we don't want to hear uh, the original language. And yeah, that's this very, very lazy uh, attitude. No, unfortunately, it was in Italian. Right. So Ralph Macchio, then, where did you first see Karate Kid? Or was it another of his films? Crossroads or something? <laughs> no, 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 Karate Kid, Karate Kid. Ralph Macchio is the Karate Kid. Did you go to the cinema to see it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the movie came out in 84. So I was a little kid and was very impressed with uh, 
the crane. <laughs> Everybody was. Everyone tried that when they got out of there. Yeah, it didn't work out. It didn't work out with the bullies <laughs> of my school, but superb. What were the first kind of bands which you got into, like music wise, which you thought, holy shit, this is amazing stuff? As I mentioned before, music was always around the house. When my, my parents had many records, and as far as I remember, my father had a copy of physical graffiti of Led Zeppelin, and the drum sounds were wide open and so powerful and caught my attention. I heard the track Custard Pie and I, I wanted to listen and copy what Bonham did. Of course, I couldn't do it. That time, I hadn't taken any private lesson, just my father giving me the basics. So another song that I remember was um, The Dream Police by Chip Trick. Oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah, beautiful. And of course, Bon Carlos is another personal legend. Yeah, those were two songs in particular that I really loved. You have a, like, a really big passion for American hard rock of the late 80s and early 90s. What was it that attracted you to that style? Was it a combination of the great choruses plus the image as well? Those bands were huge. Their sounds, the stages, their tour bus, and they all looked like rock stars to me. So long hair, big drums, loud guitars. They were so cool. Well, not all of them, I have to be honest. Some were pretty pathetic, but <laughs> <laughs> most of them were pretty cool. I'm sorry, okay? You don't have to name names. <laughs> no, 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 no. But most of them were pretty cool. You wanted to be like them. You wanted to be a rock star. So, yeah, they look cool. They sound cool. It was perfect at that time. Where was you seeing and hearing them? Well, we had this TV channel. It was called uh, Video Music. They used to put on uh, Gowns and Roses, Bon Jovi, all that stuff. I think I, re I remember Poison, Motley Crue. And then as the years go by, it, it became late night television. And you had Take That and Spice Girl during the daytime. And even if I'm a big fan of Mark Owen, I think that, that were terrific. Don't get me wrong. But um, <laughs> Motley Crue just disappeared. And same for grunge music. By around, I don't know, 96, 97, it was all about pop music here. Except for corn and limb biscuit, that kind of stuff. I'm not really a big fan, but okay. I'm still listening to Aussie, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not a, not a big fan, okay. Was that music style popular with all your friends as well? Did you all enjoy the same kind of bands? No, no, not really. They were much more into grunge music or Soundgarden, Nirvana, and, and I was the rock guy. How easy was it then to like put a band together when you wanted to take things to the next level? Was that pretty tough to find musicians? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, we're in Padua. So this is not Los Angeles, this is Padua. So if there's a good drummer or a good guitar player, he has probably already five or six bands. Okay. And also, there's a new generation of musicians, especially right now in these years. They're not really into rock and roll. They're playing some sort of alternative music, and I don't understand, honestly. Call me old, but I want to hear guitar amplifiers and loud drums. So... It is pretty hard to put a band together nowadays, but back in the days it was easier. I did my band, but yeah, it was easier back in the days. You say that music was pretty kind of popular when you first started getting into the American stuff and you'd see it on TV. Was there many opportunities to see the bands live? Well, Italy isn't so attractive. If you have a band, if you want to tour, I don't know, Europe, you, you don't come to Italy. If you're lucky, they play a couple of shows and then leave. And they go in Milan or Rome. It's not so far from here, but... No, we didn't have that opportunity to see live shows. Luckily for us, they're still coming. I saw Sebastian back and this night or a couple of years ago, and it was pretty cool. 
they still got it. I mean, Sebastian is a little fat, but he still get, still got it. I'm sorry. Getting an old man now. We're all getting a bit older. <laughs> it's, it's tougher <laughs> yeah, to keep yeah, the pounds yeah, off. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting fat too. <laughs> so what were the first shows you actually got a chance to go and see? My first live concert was with my father. We went to see the Eagles. Oh, nice. Since he's a big fan of classic American music, I wasn't really into that, but since they couldn't leave me home alone, I went there too. And I say I was pretty impressed by baking vocals. They were very professional and... And they were, were fantastic. So I was very, very impressed. Where was that at? Oh, I think it was, uh, whoa, many, many, many years ago. I think it was around Florence. What, was that in like an arena? No, 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 no. It was an open, I, I don't know. It was a, a square right in the middle of a town. Oh, wow. Yeah. I could be wrong about Florence. It could be another city, but. You're starting at a high level going to see the Eagles as your first show. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I sort of wasn't really into their music. I liked them, of course, but I was listening to other things. It was very much the Motley Crue, so... Yeah, it's quite a contrast. Yeah, exactly. Did you have record shops where you could pick up all stuff from America? Was that fairly easy to find, or was it all import vinyl and CDs? wasn't easy, but we had our little... Special shops in town about vinyls and t-shirts. I still have very old Poison t-shirts somewhere. They had VHS bands, videos, and nowadays it's completely different. You can buy Rat Invasion of Your Privacy with just one click. It wasn't that easy back then. You know what I'm talking about. When you finally had a record in your hands, it was like a treasure. You had the vinyl you wanted so much. Do you keep all your records from back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all of them. You're one of the most best showman type drummers I've seen. You're not oh, over the thank top. You. You, you're you, too kind. No, you're too seriously kind. though. The first time I saw you play with Adam at Rock City, yeah. our friend's dad had seen you the night before and he basically said, look, you need to come to this show and see this drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Very kind from you. Thank you. Where does that come from? Is it You'd obviously been into listening to John Bonham and stuff like that, but once you got into your own music, who were the guys who you were looking up to? Well, about the showmanship and the way I play the drums, uh, I spent a lot of time working on the showy part of my playing. So I used to sit in front of a mirror and just work on stick twirls and flips. The drummers I was into weren't just great players. They were also great showmen. So they stood out in the band. To me, a rock concert is not just about the music. Well, of course, music comes first, but it's also about the feeling. People banging their heads and the guys on stage jumping up and down. So I had to put on the best show I could. You can't be flashy without even spinning a stick. Oh, yeah. It's the way you play. 100%. My influences, well, I have so many, but I would say Blas Elias of Slaughter is probably my number one. And Jimmy Deanna of the Bullet Boys. Uh, love Jimmy. Vic Fox was the, <laughs> the prettiest back in the <laughs> <laughs> okay. it was, yeah, it was a very pretty guy. Randy Castillo was terrific too. And I like also Brian Tishy, especially with Billy Idol. He was a very solid drummer. Fantastic. Yeah, pretty cool. Obviously, after Vic Fox, Enough's Enough had Ricky Parent. I think he's an influence on you as well. But Ricky has a special place in my heart. Yeah, I had a chance to open for Enough's Enough back in the days. And he took the time to show me uh, privately a couple of tricks and things on drums. So it was very polite, very nice guy. I still miss him. He was a fantastic drummer, very underrated. I've heard nothing but good things about him. Everyone just has lovely things to say. Absolutely. He was fantastic. Who else have you met who's been a big influence on you? Brian Tishy back in the days of a couple of years ago, he was on tour with Dead Daisies and also Chips Enough. Chips Enough was a very nice guy. Very polite, always very polite. Steven Adler of Guns N' Roses and also Greg D'Angelo of White Lion gave me a few tips on drumming. It was a very solid drummer, very heavy. Where did you meet Greg? We were recording a single here in Italy, 
and Greg was the engineer at that time. Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was very nice person, very polite. Was he living and working over there at that time? or? No, no, no. It was he, here with um, producer Rick Brody. Right. That's a nice surprise then when you turn up to the studio. <laughs> the old drummer from White Lions. <laughs> yeah, it was the happiest guy in the world because uh, the engineer was a drummer. These drums are going to sound huge. <laughs> drums first. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You say it was tough to put a band together, but you've also got to find musicians who want to share your passion and drive to take things to the next level. That must have made things tough being in a small town. Yeah, it is. It is pretty hard also because I don't see them so hungry like I was back in the days. And maybe they want to play, but it's like watching TV for them. They don't I don't think they're so passionate anymore. It's very sad also because... I grew up, uh, wanted to play in a band. I wanted to be a rock star, you know? It's your dream. You're still watching your heroes on TV, so you wanted to be like them. But they don't have heroes anymore. That's the point. So, yeah, it's pretty hard. I found the right guys for me, but it was tough. It was tough. So what were your first few bands which you put together? Were they in that hard rock style? Like many others, I started playing a few covers with friends in the neighborhood. I was in the school band, too. We had a drum kit in my high school. And since I was the only drummer, it was pretty easy for me, you know. You know how it goes. You met guitar players, bass players, and maybe you're going to play with them again in the future. You never know. Those were the first bands, you know, a few covers here and there. Yeah, the basics. So where did the band Bastet come in? Because that was around 97. So I would imagine you'd been playing for some time. Now we're going. Now we're going. <laughs> now we're getting someplace. Uh, terrific question. <laughs> but that was the band which it was in that kind of sleazy, hard rock style let me put it like this we were basically good friends playing together and nothing more than that the style of music wasn't popular back then and we did many gigs we toured a lot probably more than any other band around here and then just like many others the band broke up in 2005 did it find its own little audience though you say the music wasn't hugely popular but that was around the time when a lot of bands were starting to tour on the small club scale like anti-product were coming over and all your pretty boy floyds and all that kind of thing that's at the point where they started touring the smaller club scene so um did you find your little audience within that? Yeah, we were pretty popular here, and but just didn't work out. In the end, uh, I don't know, we went separate ways. Was it just after that that you got the chance to join Adam Bomb's band? Yeah, we did a lot of tours in uh, European countries, and uh, we ended up playing up before Adam. He saw me, he had this European tour coming up, supporting the reunion of the band Hanoi Rocks. He wanted a flashy guy on drums, so was the right guy at the right time. Played before him in a club called Manhattan's in the UK. I have to say, it wasn't very nice at first, but uh, after the gig, he told me about this this tour and gave me the songs to learn. And I've said, okay, I'll do it. Adam's touring schedule has always been insane. It is insane. (laughs) (laughs) You have to hand it to him. On so many levels. Well, yes, yeah. Touring can get rough at times, from the van to the station, straight on the road again. And also, at that time, we didn't rely on any record company and we were really at the mercy of the headline act. We were pretty good. The show was very solid and I had a special chemistry with Adam at that time and I, I was his ace for a while, okay? So we were pretty okay. I had the pleasure to meet David Krebs in London. He was the manager of Aerosmith and ACDC back in the days. He was very polite with me, he had very kind words. 
Schedules were insane, yes. But it, everything was pretty well planned from the gas station to the venue to the hotel. Everything was planned. It was good experience. After that, I did again a couple of tours with him. There was a guy named Randy on bass, bass player for Team Lizzie also, and the Snyder and the band Angel. Very professional guy. What did you take away from those tours? What did you learn? Did it give you the touring bug to want to do it more, or do you think it just made you harder and familiar with the whole touring routine? I always liked being on tour, and especially I loved UK. Every time I come there, I love the place, and I still think about Adam once in a while, because uh, I have to say, he trained me pretty well, but uh, maybe touring for so long wasn't for me. Yeah, you, you like it, but it's pretty tough. It wasn't always that easy. How has um, the music scene in your area been over the past few years? Has it got even tougher, especially since you began Hi-Fi Stacy? Well, it's all different now. After my years of touring, I decided to quit with drums and I haven't played seriously for a couple of years. I wanted to close the book on that, but the passion was still there. So I decided to put up a new band and I did I Stacy. I picked every single member. I wanted something unique, a female fronted band this time. Wanted to give my experience to the guys. Of course, they're younger than me and they didn't have the opportunity to do what I did back in the days. As I say, they're very, very talented voice is very powerful bass player is absolutely locked in with my drumming and the guitar player is a monster and he's just 20 years old yeah i always wanted to play with new people this is a small town and there's a bad habit here you can see the same faces in different bands i want new faces everything new recently we caught the attention of a couple of american producers and they really liked our music i don't know maybe we're gonna do something with one of them for now we're slowly coming back so are you guys uh, writing any m- new material or anything like that? Doing new songs and we're writing new stuff and uh, I hope we're going to do uh, again uh, tours and new videos and new recordings like it was back in <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> How is it for you seeing the Italian band, is it Manaskin or Manaskin who won the recent Eurovision Song Contest? Was that a big deal over there? Manaskin. Manaskin, okay. Manaskin who? <laughs> No, no, I'm joking. We're joking, of course. I'm, I'm jealous. Of course I'm jealous. We all are. We all are when we see these young bands, dude. <laughs> I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. At least they're a band. I'm not really into their music, but I'm not that guy with, with the bad comments like they don't deserve it. Come on. I would like to be in their shoes now. So I'm honest. I'm absolutely jealous. So good job on asking. And yeah, finally. Where are they from in relation to you? I think they're from Rome. And how far is that? Well, it's like, uh, I don't know, four or five hours from here. Oh, wow. Okay. So what other bands are you listening to at the moment? Are you still diving into the old stuff or are you checking out anything? I'm still listening to the first and after and album. So it's still 1989 for me. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, dude. <laughs> So what else you got coming up? Anything else? I miss playing live shows. That's it. I really miss live shows because a band is, to me, needs live shows. So um, I miss touring. I miss touring a lot. I want to go back and play many, many gigs, as many gigs as we can. How is it for you playing with younger people? Do you enjoy it? Do you vibe off the energy? Yeah, since I've always been the kid in the band, now I'm the grandpa. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're, they're good. They respect the old guy. Are they bringing new music to you, though? Say, check out this kind of stuff. Good for me. They're very much into rock music. Probably something new, like, uh, I don't know, Hailstorm or those mm-hmm. Pretty Reckless, those bands that I didn't know. 
but uh, yeah, more or less, it's that style of music. Well, Matt, it's been it's been awesome to chat with you. Unfortunately, I can't see you. It, it, it's been great for me. Thanks for having me. Cheers to my pal Matt Kirby for checking in with me here on the Straight to Video podcast. Please be sure to support Matt's band Hi-Fi Stacy on both Facebook and Instagram by searching Hi-Fi Stacy Official and hopefully they'll get the chance to return to the UK very soon. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're steadily cruising towards 100 episodes and our first birthday. It's been an incredible year and I never thought I'd get the chance to talk to so many cool people. As I've said on previous shows, I'm working on a few things to announce when the show cracks 100 episodes. One thing I think I will be doing, though, is dropping down to just one show a week. There's a couple of reasons for this. Yeah, it's a lot of work to put out two shows consistently, but I'm happy to do that. But I feel that with things starting to get back to normal, guests may have a little less free time to chat. So I don't want to promise two shows and not be able to deliver to you guys. A few people have also mentioned several times though that they struggle to keep up so hopefully it will give some of you more time to enjoy all the episodes. Please be aware though I am certainly not easing off the gas. There's a lot of stuff I've got planned and the straight to video workload and output is all set to get even bigger. So there's no fear there and as always thank you so so much for the great support you continue to show. Please stay up to date at stvpod.com with all the shows, merch and music and any chance you get to share or possibly leave a review on Apple Podcasts really helps grow the show and let more people know about the cool conversations we're having here. So until next time we chat, please look after yourselves guys and speak real soon. <laughs>